You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Hi there, Dookie Breaths. This is a big day in the Bad Christian neighborhood. Let me tell you why. I feel like we've taken a good amount of time, like gone really slowly over the last year, launching this podcast, making sure everything is right. And yes, it's delayed the Emory album a little bit. I understand that. I know that. I acknowledge it. But today is a payoff day because three major things are happening. Number one, the very first sneak peek at the Emory album is available. Number two, a new podcast is launching in the Bad Christian universe. It's called Break It Down. And number three, it's all available on the Bad Christian app that launches right now. We spent a lot of time and money and effort to develop and produce this app. And how much do you think this app costs? Let me think about it. Probably $1,000? No, maybe $100? No, of course. As everything we try to do, this app also is free. Go get the app right now. Download it. Here's all you got to do. Badchristian.com forward slash app. Brilliant. It's the way you should listen to this podcast. You can find the new podcast, Break It Down There, and it contains a sneak peek and preview of the new Emory album. You can read all the blogs there. There's a bunch of streaming music. You can hear new songs from Abandoned Kansas exclusively there. You can hear a King's Kaleidoscope. You can hear the classic crime. There's great stuff over there. We make it. We make it for you. Go get it. Please consume it. No strings attached. But don't thank me and Toby and Joey. You need to thank the BC Club. And I want to acknowledge right now, everybody in the BC Club, thank you so much that this experiment is working. You guys are joining the club, voting with your own hard-earned dollars, and we're using it to make more media, more music, more podcasts. And we've got a lot more stuff to do. Books, websites, a lot of stuff. Thank you, everybody, in Bad Christian, not neighborhood, but universe. All right, everybody, hightail it to badchristian.com forward slash app. Now, here comes Toby and Joey with a stupid beatbox. Guess what? We back up in this mug. Hit it, Joey. (laughs) My name is T in the place to be. I went to Bad Christian University. I'm going to teach y'all about Bad Christian, yo. <laughs> that sounds like a fat boy's throwback kind of a thing. <laughs> Joey's actually rubbing his rolls together to make that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the hey, Bad Matt, Christian let's... Podcast, everybody. Toby, Joey, don't interject with the dead end story just yet. Shut um, up. We're glad. We're hey, glad to be here. Uh, my friend Ben did this thing. <laughs> it's silence. I, I think this is. I actually think this is pretty funny. Okay, Go ahead. Let's, uh, let's, let's kick it. it. This is a huge opener. <laughs> this is going to be a huge, super funny opener. No, right? right the, no, 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 go, go. No, you have to now. You guys are going to purposely No, make we it. won't. No. I will, if no, it's funny, won't. I will laugh. This is a huge opener. This is Joey's big joke to start the show. Keep up the energy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, you know how Toby and I are really good friends in college. Yep. Yep. Oh my God! Is it this bad? Man, I, college, this I, bad? I love the college. Go ahead. Yeah, we're friends. Home runs. Matt, you know how you do know how. <laughs> We were friends in college, right? You, yeah, no, we're good. Great start, Joy. The There's ener- no energy way is it's going to be good. Go ahead. The energy because is, of y'all, I blame no, y'all. The energy is, of course, you do. The energy is high. Keep going with the story. All right, so uh, Priscilla and I took our kids to the Children's Museum downtown Charleston, and we saw we saw a girl from Winthrop. And Priscilla texted me, said, "Hey, I'm talking to this girl from Winthrop. She knows you." 
And uh, I walked over there and everything. And come to find out, this uh, girl was sitting next to Priscilla. And Priscilla was just like, you know, they're talking. She's like, I think I know you. She's like, well, my name's Priscilla. She's just like, oh, yeah, you're the one that married either Toby or Joey. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that was good. It's not the end of the story. It's not, but he knows he's just trying to get out of this I, now. No, I can't. I can't talk. He about can't that. keep going. I can't talk about that. <laughs> well, thank you for that. So, Joe, you know, like nine out of ten of your stories are like you know, fourteen years ago in college, and then it's just somebody you knew and something that happened in college. You you do you do know that, right? No, that's not true. Yeah, that's it, definitely uh, true. I'd say most of my stories about my kids is that is it eight out of ten or nine out of ten. Matt, yeah, you're going way too high. Seven out of yeah, ten. Seven out of ten, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> and then the other three are, you know, hey, Waylon, something or another. I like your enthusiasm and excitement. I do like too. I see it in your eyes. I see the I see, oh, here comes a story. And then I'm like, okay, this is gonna be it. But then it's just Well what I think is so funny about that situation is in her mind, all these years, this Priscilla girl either married Joey or Toby. So it's like Joey and Toby are seen as like this weird yeah, one of those guys she married. To me that I just But think I don't that's know hilarious. if anybody else would think that's that. Yeah, I don't I don't really it's see about where us yeah. going to Winthrop University. Okay. Well it's not just, a, a relatable story to you. Yeah, j- just for the record. I, I always uh, bail you guys out. The least you can do is bail me out a little bit more. Well, I will. I mean, so just everybody, a little bit more. I, yeah. I would say increase thirty percent. We just cause, did because they just no, that's what we are doing. Yes, we. No, you look. You just looked at me and you didn't even laugh. You didn't do anything. You went ha 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 ha. Joey, I appreciate it. <laughs> No, but that's what I'm saying is you guys have done a lot of stories that weren't funny, and I bail you guys out. I laugh. Well, everybody, thank you. Let's give it up to Joey. You had to be there, Svensson. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but thank you for real, Joey. Um, okay, let's take a second. I want to uh, say thank you to our sponsor that makes this episode possible, and that's X3 Watch. Something I've been thinking about that I want to share instead of just always talking about trying to avoid looking at porn on the Internet. Um, something I've noticed, and this is kind of relatively personal, but to me it's like a, a really good thing. It's almost a victorious thing or a, a positive thing. Um, since I have you know, stopped looking at porn and not made that part of my routine and something that I do, uh, there's still all this stuff that's in your head, all these images, all this stuff. Some people call it the spank bank even, if you will. But there's all this stuff that's in your head for a long time, and then it continues to show up in your thoughts and in your dreams and stuff like that. And I would like to say that the, the coolest thing in the world that I really credit God for doing is after avoiding enough porn long enough, I now, when I have dreams that are sex dreams, they are most almost always about my wife. And I think that is actually super, super cool. And I'm not making a joke or anything else. It really is awesome. And I really count that as, as cheesy as it sounds, as a victory. And it's and it comes from uh, God helping me avoid porn. And it also comes from strategies to help just get the the junk out of my head. It's not, it's not in my neural pathways near as much anymore. And so it doesn't show up in my dreams when I'm unconscious. And I think, I just think that's a great thing. X3 watch has helped helped me with that. Spank bank. Do these dreams get wet? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes even the wet dreams. Yeah. My spank bank is the account is down to almost zero and hopefully we'll be in overdraft protection soon. So to get X3 watch, all you got to do is go to badchristian.com forward slash X3 watch. Hey, you guys talked about a spank bank. Have you ever heard of a wax spot? A what? No. What did that? What do they call it? Like your rag? If you have a, if you use a rag to clean I, up. I don't know, but I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to take another chance of you guys making fun of me. 
when when Toby when when, to, when Toby and I were moving out of our apartment and you guys were about to go to Seattle. How many years ago is this story? Over 12, this, 13, 14. Okay, go ahead. This would have been this would have been 2001. Okay. So so our our good friend Ben, his best friend Jason was moving into the apartment and uh Toby oh, and gosh. I think Ben went through this stage where they made a lot of wax candles. It was really weird. They just really got into it. I was like, gosh, y'all are really excited about making candles. Well, there was they were talking about getting a security deposit when everybody moves out and everything, and Toby mentions the wax spot on the carpet, and Ben's friend Jason just stood there in disgust. He really thought Toby meant there's a place where we all just go whack off and shoot our semen on the carpet. <laughs> like he seriously thought, you guys have a whack spot where you just go to a part now, of your room? Now, here's what's interesting about the story. I don't remember making candles. Yeah. Ask, ask Derek or Ben. I, I would, y'all made candles. Y'all, y'all, I think y'all would bring like a bucket of sand in the house and then y'all would like mold it and then you'd pour wax in it. Y'all just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I don't think I th- promise you did. I, there's I, no doubt in that my mind. That is really strange. Uh, Are you being totally serious? I'm being totally serious. I don't remember that at all. You made candles. <laughs> so, I mean, th- this might take it to a whole nother level because, I, like I said, it's Joey, you had to be there, Svensson. But in this case, that's this is, not true. That in was this, funny. In this there's case, be a lot of people laughing about this in, one. In this case, J- Toby actually was there and it still didn't help. <laughs> yeah but toby doesn't even remember the fact that he made a candle i was it's, making can- i'm trying to I, 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 when you tell that story i will remember but it's just the way you're telling it i don't remember making tons and tons of candles that sounds bizarre yeah hey do you, i don't talk to my mom about sex a whole lot uh, <laughs> if, if this is if, if not any <laughs> But tell me what y'all think about this. My mom was talking to my brother and I. We we're in middle school, just about how sexually perverse so twenty some uh, thirty years the ago school okay. was and everything. <laughs> and she actually said she was like, "Yeah, like um, it was the grade before Joey." So I was in sixth grade. My brother's in eighth grade. She's just like, "Yeah, there's definitely some kids in the seventh grade." And they went out to the field uh, where um, during recess, and they went to go see who could make their penis the longest. She told us this. Didn't she just mean masturbate? Like, she didn't want to say that to us because she didn't know if we knew it. Like, she actually said they went out to the well, field. You wouldn't have understood the word masturbate, would you, I don't at think that age? I would have understood jacking off. But what mom is going to want to say that? She was trying to, to get to us, like, kids are bad at school. They do messed up sexual things. There's not going to be a bunch three dudes going out to a field trying to make their penis the longest. That's called jacking off, right? Yeah, I imagine yeah. so. So, all right. Well, Joey, Did Virgil win. Your dad won, and that's why they're still together. <laughs> um, all right. So that that's good, Joey. Thank you for those stories. Now, the good thing about that story is it does lead me to something I do want to do that does have to do with you and your mom. So I don't know, Toby. I know you must have seen this email a little bit a while ago, but Joey, actually, <laughs> this this is cracking me up and is current. So maybe maybe this will be a little bit better. <laughs> Um, so, so Joey exactly what you're emails read. his mom. So the, the, the two on this is Barbara. The BCC is Matt and also Toby. And this is, this is a email addressed to mom and dad. And the reason he sent this apparently is because he and his, his mom had told him that she wants to, but is afraid to listen to the podcast. Right. <laughs> how did she tell you she was afraid? And her to listen? son is her pastor. Yeah. <laughs> so how was it that you found out that they wanted to listen to the podcast? 
Well, she she's going on vacation. Uh, that her and dad are going to take a well. They uh, were going to take a long trip to Florida to see Jared, and so she was just like, "Yeah, I really want to listen to a couple of episodes." I think the curiosity was just burning. Okay. So they've known about it this whole time. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. They just they just found out little bits and pieces about it. And she's just like, "Yeah, I just I'm I'm afraid." You know, she specifically said, "I'm afraid to listen." But see, there's a lady in their small group that's pushing their age that just loves it. She's way more progressive. She's super artsy. Uh, she loves, loves, loves the Packer, uh, Sandy Stafford. She does. Oh, she loves it. She loves it. So she was telling my, my parents goodness. about it, and my parents were just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, maybe we should listen to the one with Jared in it." They've got enough curiosity where they asked Joey about it. Could they listen to it? Which is nice. They offered. They asked for permission. Joey responds with this email: "Mom slash Dad, I want to recommend that you guys don't." listen to the BC podcast. I love you guys, so I'm open to whatever you want to do. But here's my rationale. There is too much of a culture gap. Very few people with your age and background will get what we are doing. And that's totally not a cut down in any way. <laughs> we have atheists We have atheists that write us saying they are now interested in God. People that say they relate to us because because of the bad language. <laughs> <laughs> Folks that are sick and tired of the church but are learning to be more patient. People that felt totally separated from the church until finding some common ground with us. Husbands come clean with porn addictions, etc. I just don't think you guys will understand and could be offended at the content. That's just my recommendation, my honest opinion. I've talked it over with my leaders at Seacoast. And there's a segment of the people in the church that it just wouldn't seem right to them. If you guys still want to listen... I'll, at the very least, send you some recommended episodes. Love you both, Joey. (laughs) What's funny is Toby and I are, we know that they've listened to a couple, and Toby and I are scared they're going to keep listening. We don't want to listen to more. So that's what I want to know. What was their response to that email? Um, Basically, they never responded to that email, but they they wanted to make it very abundantly clear to Toby and I, after they had listened to an episode, they emailed both of us and said, Oh, we loved it, exclamation mark. They said, it's just like you guys are just as funny as you were in college. And uh, they just wanted to make it really clear that they were not offended. Um, But honestly, I I appreciate that. I just think that if they listen enough, uh, at at some point, I do think there's enough. I'll stand by that email. I think there's enough of a culture gap to where they'll just be like, yeah, I don't get that. Well, it was interesting this past Sunday – they walked up to me and said, "Hey, bitch, we love your podcast." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay. oh, I didn't." And then, hey, What's so up? we got a bell. Yeah, my, my dad talked about X three watching. He kind of made like a motion with his hand, like whacking yeah, off. <laughs> yeah, your dad looked at me and said, "Hey, thanks for the X three watch. Uh, 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 give me that information. I don't do that wackety uh, whack anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and then he high fived your mom. <laughs> so uh, apparently, Bad Christian does work for their generation. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Well, that's the thing. That's things freaking me out because we've always done the music. We've done music, and it's always been for a very specific demographic, which has expanded a little bit. But it's basically been older teenagers to mid twenties has been the only people that've ever listened to the stuff I've done, and I've always been older than the people that listen to our 
art and stuff we've created. And so it's always been easy to keep my world separate. But now everywhere I go, I was at a church thing last night and people that are my age and older and they're just like, yeah, I listen to your podcast. I'm like, oh crap. I mean, you know, there's people yeah. all the way up, like yeah, you no, said, no, middle-aged no. women that listen to it. Uh, Seth's, Seth's mother-in-law, Dawn, listens to this podcast, says it's hilarious. Oh my gosh. For oh my instance. So, so Dawn, if you're listening, what's up? I'm glad. That, that makes me feel good because I just wouldn't want to offend them, but I'm right. glad that they actually can get past that and think it's yeah. in, at least entertaining. That's our part of our goal too. So yeah, Matt. I guess I mean, so. I, I'd like to be... keep the worlds more separate, though. Personally, I don't like to have to yeah. think about when I'm shaking somebody's <laughs> hand and they already know all <laughs> well, this about here... me. Like, nice to meet you. I don't really like that if they're going to be in my community group or whatever. You know, Matt, have, have are you involved in a church on a regular basis now that Marcel folded and is no more? It kicked the bucket. It died. It dissolved. It's gone. Yeah, bit the dust. The yeah, church all of watch, no. watching ESPN and eating chips. <laughs> I love that church, Matt, baby. Matt, Matt, you that's love Matt's it. favorite church. No, seriously, are, are, are you regularly involved like in a Sunday morning gathering sort of thing? Uh, yeah, we, we go to a couple of places, but one that we particularly go to pretty much all the time now, I would say, is that this, if we get up on Sunday morning and say, all right, let's get, let's, everybody starts getting dressed, we kind of understand where it is that we're headed to kind of thing. So real good wow. thing, real good, com, real good community, and, you know, it's great. So, yes. But, you know, anyway, anyway, enough of that. I don't know who cares, who doesn't, about all the crap we talk. But I tell you what, I believe people would love to hear from Aaron Sprinkle. So let's see if we can get him on the line here. Uh, We'll take a quick break for some sponsor love, and we'll be right back with Aaron Sprinkle. We Are the City has a brand new record coming out on March 24th, two days after my birthday. You can buy this record for me for my birthday, and you can even keep it. Uh, called Violent. We broke into Tooth and Nail's office. This is keep this on the download. Don't tell anybody. And stole this song for you. You can't find this track anywhere else. So let's check it out. Hit it, Matt. Guys, that was Baptism by We Are The City. Their new record, Violent, comes out March 24th on Tooth & Nail Records. You can pre-order the record for only $7.99. So be sure to check out their awesome music videos and tour dates at wearethecity.ca. And that is .ca. Check it out. Well, folks, it's that time. Time for the grandfather. Let's pick up where we left off last week with July.
That's July from The Grandfather. Their new EP, 1222, comes out next Monday, March the 23rd. Make sure you check them out at facebook.com forward slash The Grandfather Band and go get a free song from them at thegrandfatherband.bandcamp.com. That's thegrandfatherband.bandcamp.com. So, <laughs> I, just so you know, you guys, I am also going to be doing this podcast in the in the bath <laughs> the bathtub yeah. you know what's weird about that is do you guys take baths do you still ever take a bath or do you just are you not since i was shower? nine i'd say three times a year i feel like when i'm in the bathtub it's the ugliest i look <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it is it's just it doesn't I, I'm, I'm a big guy, and it just doesn't. It doesn't really work for me. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm kind of scrunched up. I make the bathtub look small, yeah, smaller than it actually is, and my body's there. Yeah, yeah, there's nobody that wants to see you in that position. Yeah, I mean, probably not even your wife. She, yeah, I do it. Yeah, I, mean, I do it. Nobody just wants to see you. to stay humble. That's why. It's yes. It's how you center yourself to stay humble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. It's like you can't have a skewed perception of yourself. Um, in the bath <laughs> that's totally true like jess and i have taken showers together but we i don't think we could i don't think i can fit in a bathtub with her <laughs> well no Probably that's the other thing i was going to say is the amount of water that <laughs> you need to fill the bathtub gets less every year for some reason yeah the displacement sure is amazing you put in like yeah. a, a half gallon of water and then you get in it's up to your neck <laughs> So, Aaron, there is a <laughs> small segment of our listeners that just go ape shit when guys like Aaron Sprinkle. And- it's not small, it's huge. Why no, would no, you no, say no, that? No, 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 no. Listen, a, a small segment of our ginormous audience. Here's what I'm. <laughs> you're, you're saying only a few people care about Aaron Sprinkle? No. Nope, nope. What a way to be you're a jerk not, right from the beginning. You're go. not hearing me out. Well, listen, listen. They pair you with Mark Solomon, Brandon Abel, and all these old school folks, which is neat because then there's a whole other segment of people that know you as producer, dude that um, you know worked on this album, that album. But I'm telling you, there are people that just eat these old school episodes up. If it wasn't for Matt and Toby, all we would do is talk old school stuff. <laughs> Probably you would be way more disappointed. Well, you can do that. I, so. I won't stop you. <laughs> Uh, if you want to talk to Joey about old bands this whole interview, that's that's fine. Joey's already assured you. I mean, you, I'm telling you, yeah, like, Aaron, do you like talking about the good old days? <laughs> like, do you even care about talking about the good old days you were in Poor Old Lou? I'm telling uh, you, it, my mind size is seriously one of the best albums, and it, and those guys were so young, it just blows my mind to this day. I know, but I we're just asking our guest. Joey, we know you like it, but Aaron, do you really care about talking about the old days, or does that not interest you? I mean, I just told him that an album. It, Aaron, Joey, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> Did you shut up? <laughs> it, it's actually weird. I was just talking to someone about how I feel like I've lived three lives <laughs> because it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the old days. It seems like a, def, a different like dimension or something because yeah. um, it was so long ago, and I I was so stupid, and I don't know how I even stayed alive for a day <laughs> back then now so just to be just to be careful and safe there Aaron, when you say you feel like you live three lives and you're just telling somebody were you talking to your therapist and do you have schizophrenia <laughs> yeah no i was not okay no it was, it was when you were hindu i was t- <laughs> <laughs> the first life 
was as a mosquito. You actually did live three lives. <laughs> you were a bus driver in Philly in 1932. <laughs> I was a woman in... No. Um, yeah, I was actually talking to my wife about it, but it, it, when I think about like poor old Lou times... It's I'm it's so detached feeling like yeah. um, mm. I can actually look at it as a third party because it's so far away Gee. and I actually don't remember most of it. People <laughs> have to remind me of things. I don't know. I mean, I'll hear poor old loose songs and be like, oh yeah, like I didn't even remember it <laughs> at all. So sounds like me. Um, but I kind of I I load everything into the you know in the present and i kind of dump the past in my memory uh-huh. banks um that's just kind of how i've always been i don't have a really good recollection of even a couple years ago are you still honest. friends with those guys do you still hang out with them or when you see them is it cordial or do you just like seriously like you won they lost screw them yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um, i well, okay, so Nick, the bass player, he and I stayed really close up until I moved out here. I mean, we still are close. Yeah. Um, and he was pretty much always the bass player in whatever thing I was doing musically. Um, my brother moved to New York uh, up, way up, like the closest kind of city is Rochester to where he lives. But it's he's like an hour outside of Rochester, and then Scott, the singer, he and I have we're not there's no weirdness between us, but we're not we didn't stay close, we didn't hang yeah. out and stuff. Mm-hmm. We still I we I actually just was texting with him a couple of days ago. But um, how would you me- measure those separate lives? Where, where would you mark the start of one epoch and the end of the others? If you you know how do you designate your thirds of lives? Oh, that's a really good question. I guess. Honestly, I guess kind of poor old Lou not, and like just kind of the whole 90s era and me sort mm-hmm. of becoming a producer uh, accidentally. And then, um, and then the, the like golden era of Tooth and Nail would be another mm-hmm. one. And then kind of this new uh, chapter that I'm in now since I moved out uh, to the Nashville area. Well, let's talk about what because pe- I know a ton of people care about what you would call the golden era of Tooth and Nail. What do you mean by that? What's the golden era of Tooth and Nail from your point of view? Tell us about that time. Well, it was, you know, I was involved with Tooth and Nail really early on when I was young, and um, I discovered MXVX and brought them to Brandon literally like. That sounds way more important than it really is. But I, I found I found them and recorded them for free in exchange for me giving it to Brandon first. I was just trying to kind of get something going with that. Um, but the golden era really, to me, is later on when I kind of joined back up with Tooth & Nail in 2001. Um, we I I didn't have so much as a falling out with them, but we we just kind of Brandon and I sort of went our separate ways for almost a decade, and um, I came back on um, 
the scene with him because he he had built a studio in the basement of the then mm-hmm. offices. And I'd heard through the grapevine that he was kind of looking for someone to run the studio, basically. It was a really weird, really looking back at it, what, the, the kind of setup. But um, that just exploded for over a decade. I was doing yeah. just rec- – I mean – so what was golden about it? Was it just the, the budgets were big? And you, I mean, because it was, it was like when you started really doing well and became professional and like a real name as a producer at the same time yeah. when there was a million bands and at the same time when money was huge and budgets were huge and it could just do whatever. I mean, yeah, isn't that the way people, it felt? You could just do whatever you wanted to? Yes. After a minute there, after the first like year and a half, two years of, of, of that relationship with Brandon, um, which the the relationship that I had with Brandon was literally just that I worked at his studio and he and Tooth and Nail hired me to make records. I never actually was on mm-hmm. payroll at Tooth and Nail. I was never an employee of Tooth and Nail. I was completely independent. I did have an agreement with him for a number of years of how many records a year I would do for him, but it was a it was a mutual agreement because he it, that guaranteed me a certain amount of income. Yeah, it's well. good for you. But what happened was, is all of a sudden, after doing a, a, probably over 100 full lengths before that time in my life, like for local bands and little weird things, all of a sudden these records started selling and had commercial success way beyond anything I'd ever seen before. And actually in, in that decade-ish uh, of time that I had that relationship with him, the records that just I produced that he released sold millions of copies, like wow, five to seven million copies. Um, that's insane because is, at the, at the yeah. time that justified the budgets. The budgets were just because that's what I remember when we went, when we made the question. It was in two thousand and three or four, yeah. five, four. It was in oh four when we were making it. I think two thousand something. And uh, and so it was our second, our first record. We spent eight thousand dollars on, and then we go in to do the question. Because the week's in had done good, and it's like, okay, well, we can spend like you know eighty grand making this record, and we did. Mm-hmm. We spent eighty yeah. plus just making the record, which includes studio producer, the place. I mean, we were doing sending every instrument we could find out for any amount of repairs. We're buying guitars and basses and keyboards, just throwing them on the budget, just anything you wanted to do. Yeah, it's really funny actually. I remember back before all this, kind of in my first era um, of producing, I did a record called Fight the System, which is a, this band Squad 5 and um, that was a label out of, where were they, out of Atlanta or something like that? I forget. But, um, what was the label? I forgot. Was that Take It was, I don't remember, but the, I think the budget was like 8000 or 10000 and it was like the most luxurious budget I'd ever, yeah. it was like. It like blew you away. Oh, totally. Like. We did it at the studio that like Bleach was recorded at in Seattle, and you know it was just we had I felt like we had all this time, and um, and then you know by the time I was doing Cutlass and even other bands, I was working with six figure budgets on some of those records, Golly. you know, and it was just crazy and. Did Even, you think you were like rich? <laughs> like, did you go? Well, I mean, I, I'm used to not having money, and now all this of a will sudden, never stop. I mean, these budgets. 
<laughs> yeah, it'll never well, end. Yeah, that uh, will music will always <laughs> sell. <laughs> it's always other. sold. It will always Story. sell, right? Yeah, no, I for real was getting paid in 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 a you know on average per record my takeaway was more than I used to make in a year. Yeah, especially with the points so, and stuff. Because everything was so recouping. Ju- but that's the just the, the upfront advance. Like, no, not including back end. And then those records were all recouping. I mean, I remember there was like a chunk of time where only a couple didn't. Yeah. Like, in a, like a, a, after years, like a six-year period, only a few of them didn't recoup. And I'd never had one record recoup before that. I I, I did this record, uh, this band Grandma Train, in uh, mm-hmm. I think that was in the '90s that I did yeah. for Forefront, and I still get um, statements from them, and it still hasn't recouped yet. Gosh, <laughs> one day, um, <laughs> crazy. Hopefully, that plug you just and made will send it over the edge. Too. That's what's weird. It was just the way those those uh, contracts were set up back then. That is nuts so. that you still. That was a long time ago. Oh my god. Oh yeah, none of the Paul Lou records band? recouped either. I don't think. Did your brother play in Grandma Train? No, uh-uh. they were just a Seattle band. They were one of the one of the Seattle bands that got signed in the Christian world in the nineties. There was a few of us that got signed. But, you so, know, you, you, so you started making a ton of money. Did, did you like it? Did you like doing that? I mean, you had been a musician, so did you enjoy it or what? Well, it, it's funny because I, there was a couple years where I made more money than I ever thought I would make in a year. Like, like wait. LeBron James money. No. Not, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not a lot by a lot of people's standards, but it was a lot to me at the time. And now I don't make anywhere near that much money in a year. And um, I don't really feel like those years were better years that I made that money. Uh In fact, I was the most absent from my family in those years, the most absent from even really being able to have a good perspective on who I was or why I was even doing what I was doing because I was just killing myself. Just where I mean, I remember there was a few periods where I had a couple days off in a three-month period, like um, every day. You know, three weeks with no day off. So you had the money security, but everything, but it was just work. I mean, you were just working all the time, but you probably felt like I need to do this because it's, I'm, am making money. Like you, yeah, it was, there was, there was some of it was kind of like, gosh, you know, I better get this while I can. And right. But there was also some really deep seated stuff that I didn't realize until later that, you know, I felt like I had to. I had to do a better job on every record than the one before because yeah. um, I was getting a lot of praise. I was getting a lot of praise from Tooth and Nail and stuff, you know, that, you know, oh, my gosh, these, this record did so well. And, and then I felt like, oh, gosh, the next one's got to be even better. And then I also was trying to find some sort of affirmation and and vindication or you know these deep rooted like see you know i i am good at this kind of thing uh yeah to prove to myself and to other people that i could that i was one of the big boys you know yeah. to be honest uh-huh. I, I remember when we when we got there and, and they told us our second record question we were going to record with you every single person told us well it's aaron he has the midas touch he makes records you know just he has the golden touch just to make them awesome and they will sell 
and we believed it and it did work. I mean, I have to, I have to give you credit. I mean, really, that was true, but that had to be a lot of pressure. But back, that, back to my other question too, did, did you, did you like it? Is it like a lot of people don't get to come anywhere near recording the amount of bands and even selling records like you have. Was it fun working on these records? Did you even oh, like yeah. it? Like, if, like well, you like all the them- bands, all the music? Some of them were so fun and still some of my favorite memories, like, yeah. ever. And some of them felt like work, you know, more than fun. And, you know, there was there's so many incredible stories. I just actually got to telling a bunch of stories to a guy in my small group at my church the other night. And, and I kind of realized I could have gone on and on and on forever. <laughs> and it's probably like touring, you know, like you've yeah. got all those millions of stories. But I, you know, have met some of my favorite people, my closest friends through that. You know, you guys, um, I consider dear, dear friends. And and the experiences that I've had, you know, meeting Randy Torres and the guys in Anne Berlin and, um, I mean, so many guys that I just love that are my brothers now. Yeah. And just amazing experiences and also making some really great music, you know, stuff that I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of a lot of the records I've made. But towards the end of this kind of chapter, it really did start to turn into, I just was getting so burnt out. I couldn't, I couldn't keep up anymore. And I was, well, that's the weird thing about the doing what you love is you, I mean, you were doing the coolest possible thing that most people say they'd want to do. And then it's at the point where you're not thinking so much about money. You're just taking on projects you want to take on or whatever comes next. And then you find mm-hmm. yourself working because when you do when you're doing something like that, especially in the studio, it, you and you would do this as much as anybody I've ever seen. You would work and when work and then take a break and then come back and work till late at night till way, way after your family had gone to bed or anything. So it's yeah. not like even yeah. if you were if you're only taking two days off, the days that you were working, you weren't even going home at supper time or anything. You were there all night, no. the days you were working. So just to paint that picture, but the crazy thing is that's what you wanted to be doing. And it wasn't it's so yeah. envious of a position to be saying, I'm only just doing what I want to do as opposed to doing mm-hmm. something just for the paycheck. But then even that mm-hmm. still turned out to, to not work out. Did it coincide with the money going down or you think money or not, it was going to crash? No, you? I think the, the, the money, money for, has always just been a problem for me. I mean, I'm, 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 it's just I hate money. I wish it didn't exist. And, what, when um, you say problem, you mean you like to spend it, or you don't? I like just don't. Mess I'm with just it? not good at it, and I don't. I don't really want for anything. You yeah. know, it's not like I'm trying to get a certain th- house or car or whatever. I don't care about that stuff, like for real. Um, I do want to be able to do what I want. That's something. I mean, I think you know, I want to be able to go get. Uh, dinner here yeah. or go to the movie or whatever i'm always if, envious if of the to. way that you spend spend money not not like on the big scale but like to me hanging out with you and doing stuff if you want to do something then you just kind of say well then it's kind of like you're in a foreign country you know when you have to convert the currency yeah. and you say well how much is this and they just say a number you go do i have that much okay then let's let's eat this for supper you know what i mean i'm always envious yeah, of well, that mentality where you just get you just do yeah. with what you have right in front of you i think that's a product of having so little for so long and then uh-huh. all of a sudden getting it and then just feeling like, oh, let's celebrate every day all the time. You know what I mean? Until <laughs> it's gone. <Yeah>. And uh, <laughs> But what really happened is let's celebrate every day all the time 
until it's gone and we're in a lot of debt is really what happened um but it's I'm sorry. I I, I do it, have some dumbass questions coming up soon, but go ahead. And finish. No, no. I'll I'll just finish with this. It it really ultimately wasn't about the money for me. It was about that I sort of lost sight of what I loved about making songs and making records and making yeah. music and uh, the these kind of big um, aspirations and dreams and goals and kind of. I didn't. I never. I never stopped to examine. Is that really who I am? Is that really what I want? Is that really what is important to me? I just kind of kept going with my head down, and then, um, I got to a point, thankfully, that where God was able to show me that I I did that. That isn't who who I am, and that's not what I want. And then I'd lost this love for music, and and rediscovering it which i'm still in the process of has just been so fun i feel like a kid and i feel like so excited about the future and music and everything every it just feels like this the sky's the limit you know you think Um, like you were talking about money but also talking about working just like just doing too much is that is that uh issue for you like just excess in general like whatever it is before you like you are tempted to to do too much of it, whether it be work or spending money or joy or, yeah, or whatever it might yes. be. Yes, I, I definitely would would consider myself. I've been described as extreme person. What, what is that feeling like? Because a lot of people, I think, struggle with that. Like, like mm-hmm. for me too. I'm the same way. Like, there's, I mean, I, honestly, it can go from for for me with with work or money or even food or mm-hmm. alcohol or or whatever it can mm-hmm. be. Sometimes, what it what is that feeling that starts when you're like, it, it, you know. Whatever it might be, if it's, it's money or whatever, the excess, what is it? Is it just a, a need or is it, are you feeling a hole or what? Well, I, th- I think it's a combination of a few things. One, I've had people, professionals describe me as someone that feels very big. Like, this is when you went on Dr. Phil? Yes. <laughs> but I feel, th- they, they say you feel things in a large way. Um, yeah. And so, a, a lot of all that stuff is me trying to manage that. Like, um, if I feel like I can't c- handle feeling something too much, then I'll try to manage the way I feel with something. Or yeah. I I love feeling joy. I love feeling um, a, a bond or community or sharing uh, an experience with someone in a big way. And I kind of just go ham with that. And, and so that'd be the same as to say you'd do anything to avoid a bad feeling because you'd feel it really big, something yucky or yes, scary. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Yep. Well, and I think you. that could be you know, why I kind of just put my nose to the grindstone and just mo- go forward is to try to not look at what's around because I might not like what I see. How much of uh, – and I, I really want to hear um, more about what you're excited about in the future, but before we do that – like. Yeah. I don't understand exactly like there's a song on the question that how Toby and Matt worded it was they kind of didn't know how to end the song. And then they're just like, and Aaron suggested this. And then that turned into him singing this. And man, that was a really awesome song. So how, how much of your job when you're in the studio is saying, Hey guys, why don't y'all play this part? Or why don't you do this with the guitar? Or why don't you do that? And how much of it is just turning knobs and making 
it sound right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. really That's have no question. idea. And, and what if you end up with a band that comes in and you really hate the music that they wrote? How do you calibrate trying to help them? But it's kind of based on your own personal preference, and maybe they're sucky songwriters. I mean, just how does all that work? Yeah, that's that's a really good question, and it's a it's a kind of a long answer, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> we'll just start with who is the shittiest band ever. Yeah, you've worked with. Example of a bad song. Call would be. them out. Call them out. <laughs> the worst song I ever heard was no. Uh, I uh, first of all, it's different every time. I mean, it's it's part of what I love about making records is how different of an experience it is every single time. And you take things from the past and you apply them, but you're learning the whole time as well. And, um, you know, I just, I want to put myself in a position where I get to create, where I get to have fun and, and express what's in me. But also when that can instantaneously bring joy to someone that I'm working with in the room, there's there's no better feeling than when you make something together and and the person that you're you know really trying to make the record for, which is the band usually, um, is so happy and excited. So that changes, and and part part of what changes that whole dynamic is kind of who the client is. If if I'm think if I kind of go into a record thinking, okay. I'm really trying to make a commercially viable product for the label. And they're, they're who, who's kind of, uh, who, who I'm trying to impress with this. Like who I'm trying to depending on you to make a big record sort of thing. Yeah. And you know, that could be self-imposed or that could be stated up front. Yeah. Or if I'm working with a band like Copeland, where I just am excited to be a part of the record, they don't really don't need me to make that record. You yeah. know what I mean? And, um, and, you know, and then sometimes, you know, there's technical aspects to what I'm doing because I did a lot of engineering on the stuff. I mean, a lot of records I did by myself and then, yeah, you know, so there's a lot of engineering happening and, and you can be creative in that aspect and, and with tones and just putting it all together. But, you know, I have been in situations where it was like mentioned before the record, like these guys' songs aren't good. You need to <laughs> fix them. Like for real, like, the, like these guys look good. They, they put on a great show. Not so much in the song area. area. Yeah. So that's what we're counting on you to do, you know, that kind of yeah. a thing. And so you're helping them like, so, I mean, I know you wouldn't come out and say who this band is and then say this statement, but would you say on paper you're a part of the songwriting? I mean, do you change it? Oh, yeah. Much? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've had hundreds of cuts on, like, records. Well, so, so songwriting isn't a challenge for Aaron Joey. He could write a song that's unbelievable really quickly, especially once he has a set of parameters like, oh, this band is like this. They sound new metal here. Yeah, they sound I actually folky the there. Yeah. yeah. And no, so I you guess, have that. And probably they're going to... So, so let me finish. So then, so basically Aaron it has no problem writing material and songs. He can do that in a in lickety split. Now the trick, the right. challenge is when the band needs new songs and their songs 
stink and Aaron can write them, but having the band accept his songs or have him, have the band think it's either their idea or allow him control yep. and how to handle that dynamic is what's really yeah. amazing about a producer and Sprinkle in particular. I've seen him do it a hundred times. You know, that's the, the hard part is that. You can find other people to write and Sprinkle's capable. He could do the whole record himself, but the band has to be involved and to what degree and that politics part of that can be the hardest part. That's really cool, Matt. I, that's a really cool way to put it and, and I appreciate that it means a lot that you're saying that but i think that it so much of most of the time that there there was unfortunately times where i just gave up on i gave up um trying to get to a place where we were all having a good time because i just didn't care or i wasn't connecting with the band um on a personal level which is a really important part for me yeah um, but for the most part, I was trying to get us, always get us to a place where we were making something really good and we were having a really good time doing it. Like, it, that that was really important, where everyone was super excited and like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Um, and it was good. Because it'd be easy to have everybody excited and have it be bad uh-huh. uh, at the same oh, yeah, time. Yeah. In a lot of situations, that would be really easy. But like Matt said, is is steering the ship in a direction that it needs to go but making everybody feel like they were part of of that decision and part of that thing and sometimes it wasn't making them it was just doing it in the right the right formula the right recipe of, of steps so you did, know, you ever right come into, did you ever come into contact with people that they just weren't having it and they weren't taking any suggestions and they're just like, like f this dude yeah like, who does he think he is? We wrote these songs. We're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And and how how do you? I mean, do you just go with it and say okay? And and in your head, you're like, this is going to be a sucky album, but I'm going to do my job. Well, that changed a lot over time. Um, it got to where most people that were coming to me wanted me to do that. Yeah. So that wasn't an issue. Um, there, it, and in the beginning, I was too insecure or shy or whatever to say anything yeah i wouldn't literally wouldn't say anything i'd be like in my head this guy is the worst singer i've ever worked with in my entire life (laughs) but i didn't have the guts to say that you know what i mean um so or this song is so bad i really hope my parents don't even hear this (laughs) um and but i don't say anything but there, there came a point where the, sometimes it was totally ego on my part. It was like, I did this record, so you should listen to me. Yeah. And then sometimes it was honest to goodness conviction, like this is bad, like we, and and we can fix it. You know, if this is bad and we can't fix it, or there's no point in fixing it, that's a whole other story. But we can fix this. We can make it right. And there were a few times where. I would get this thing from a band where, oh, well, we don't do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and then that was usually when my brain went, okay, I'm done. What what <laughs> kind of thing would they not do? Like uh, we don't tune our vocals or edit our drums or? That or a, a type of a melody or a type of a uh, song idea or instrumentation uh-huh. idea. Oh, we don't do that. And it's like their first record. No one's ever heard of them. And they're saying, we don't do that. <laughs> right. um, so let me ask you this. How long did it take you to get used to the fact that Matt and Toby talk to each other like they hate each other, but they really love each other? Like, how long was that learning curve for you? 
like a day. <laughs> <laughs> did did, it, did it, well, what I wanted to ask was, as a Christian, what is it like to have to lie to these people? <laughs> like you are a Christian. You're working for a label that's basically considered Christian. That's a really good. Come in there and you have to go. Really good. Yeah, point. that was great. I. That's a really good point. I think it's easy to not think of it as lying because you, right. you have such a good intention behind it, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I could have said that's as good as it's going to get and I'll fix it later. But um, you you try to keep people excited and happy because right. you never get a good performance out of someone that's pissed off. You mm-hmm. only get worse, you know, yeah. unless you're doing screaming or something. Maybe well, that's nothing. Well, else. I have a but, question, too, for both you and Matt worked together for a long time. And I've, mm-hmm. I've always kind of wondered this. You both are great musicians. Uh, both have very uh, great musical ideas. Like, do you? Would it actually be fun for a band just to come in and play the songs for you? Maybe y'all, you know, maybe y'all even record them roughly. And then, besides the singer, who is you know, he has a unique voice that y'all couldn't mimic. Would you prefer just to play everything yourself and we just do, do the that. entire every We've possible thing it. yourself? Except We've for done that. That. we did do that. <laughs> <laughs> how did that turn out was that like your favorite record ever yeah. <laughs> well, in some ways it was i mean it was smooth really yeah, like we, that actually happened and you actually we, okay we you love the way the songs turned out was that humbling a, to those bands <laughs> probably we did a record where i told the band before we even started that you're gonna show us the parts and we're gonna play them because <laughs> it would have just been terrible to sit through them bashing it right and just not playing it well is that why? Yeah, like why? I mean, why would you we, tell them we, that? There, there's well because I, I got to the point where I realized that it was a waste of everyone's time when there was you know a couple guys sitting here that could play the, the part and get it done quick, yeah. and there's no reason for it to be that guy playing it. Right. Sometimes there is. Sometimes it, it's not about it being perfect. But some records you're going for just a particular product. <laughs> Right. Of guitar take or whatever, right. but sometimes um, it's a good service to the to the band to understand where they're not yet. Now, if their songs oh, are totally. good or their lead singer is good, and they're going to have a long career, they can even look back on their first record and realize, oh, I wasn't even there. I didn't even understand this. I couldn't even done that. And then they can go on. They can. It's up to them to improve and be more a part of their band and pay attention. But at the time when it's time to make a band's first record, if they're not able and prepared at the level that the some of the other guys in the room or band are it's not fair to the rest of the band it's not fair yeah, to the whole to the label to 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 allow one person to mess something up there there's a one record i probably am going to get in trouble if cuz people will probably figure out what it is but there there was a record that i was asked to do that i didn't want to do because i didn't have a good vibe with some of the members cuz i'd worked with them before and so what i said was something that I thought would just make it go away, <laughs> which was, um, I said, o- only if I can make the record with just the singer. And, and, and Randy and I will play everything else. This is when Randy Torres was working with me. Yeah. We'll play everything else. And they were like, okay. Oh, gosh. Um, and it was, but it turned out to be really fun. It was great. Yeah. Um, the, the other guys in the band were really upset. but um, Super pissed. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, that's an example. Of Which is where. funny, too, because it actually not only uh, will the record sound better, but it will be done super way more efficiently and quickly and for less money. So they actually don't have as much to recoup either. Yeah. Like it is a benefit to them instead of having them stay or hang around for a month 
but I understand. I mean, yeah. they're in the band. If you have a terrible really, bass player yes. and he wants to play the bass parts, I understand that. And he goes, well, your job is to make it sound good. But on y'all's side, it's like... It's, it, it's really tough, though, because I get the, sen- the, the sentiment side. I get it. I was in bands right. for years. Right. Um, I totally get it. I mean, even my band, Fair, right now, I wouldn't do a Fair record unless all the guys were doing it. Right. And... um because to me, it wouldn't be fair without Eric and Nick and Joey. And, yeah. um, but <laughs> where I was sitting, my client was the label, not right. the band. Right. And the label had a very specific expectation that was given to me ahead of time on some of these records. Yeah. And that expectation could not be met if... Ringo played the drums on his own record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could, that couldn't happen. And, so this we, is, and just so people know, this happens all the time, too. This isn't like... Uh, you I know, didn't invent uh, this. No. Right. It's not like Tooth and Nails, this evil label that has done this. <laughs> I mean, you, you, all the music you listen to, there's, that's why there's a thing called studio musicians. No, I mean, no. And I, I, was, I was really reluctant to do this. Right. I, it, I fought it for years and years and years and years. Fought um, even entertaining this as an idea. Yeah. But then when I'm cranking out these records and I'm turning down, you know, I got to a point where I was turning down more records than I could even do in a year. Right. And, and, you know, there was, and it was very specific The you know, whoever my client was, and it wasn't always tooth and nail was, we need this kind of record. It's gotta be th- like this kind yeah. of a genre. It has to, has to be as good as this group here. Yeah. And I can see too how that could be exhausting. Like that had to be exhausting oh, when when, yeah, when stuff yeah. like that happens. That has to just that has to bum you out because you're like, man, I'm I'm creative and I want to do this and I want to work with creative people. But what a lot of people don't understand either are, I mean, tons of people in bands are assholes, and it's like Aaron yeah. has to be there with them every day in a studio yeah. where they go, yeah, can you turn this up? Okay, now turn that down. Now do yeah. this. Okay, but and, and and a lot of people, like you said, have this ego coming in of they don't want to change at all, yeah. and so it, that can be just exhausting mentally and emotionally, but. Are now you in a spot where you can pick bands that you just only want to work with? Is that is that still is that like why you're still doing music now? When you said this is like the third part of your career, what's going on now? Well, I'm one of the things I'm trying to do, and I'm working towards, and it's something that I really feel God is directing me towards is to not take jobs because I have to. Yeah, um, which sounds so first world you know like it just it it sounds so elite and exclusive but um the my reasoning behind it is because i want to actually use the gifts that i believe god has given me to the fullest extent that they can be used and if i'm if i'm trying deliberately to stay in tune with the desires of my heart those are going to be appropriately geared towards the way that I can utilize my gifts the best. I don't know if that makes sense. So um, I've done a lot of records that I've taken, I've said yes to, and whoever's listening, it wasn't your record. But I've done a lot of records <laughs> where whoever's I did my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And, I, and I took it because I just, of course you, you have to take that. Of course right. you have to do that. Right. But, you know, in the middle of it or at the beginning of it, I'm like, oh, this is not 
but I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. And I'm only a man came out. Shut up. Yeah. I, um, what I'm supposed to be doing is a very privileged thing to say in general. And I, and I don't believe that I have to always be trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's really just trying to hear God, hear where I can step a little bit more into the stream of his will in my life. And, um, I want to be creating and giving uh, a service, how, serving people with my gifts. And, and that means my client, the, the artist that I'm working with, that I'm producing. Yeah. If my heart's not in it, I'm literally doing them a disservice. Because they could be paying someone else the same or less money that is so excited about their record and doing such a better job than I could do if I don't care and right. half-ass it. And um, so I'm trying to avoid that. And also, it just always puts me in a place that's not healthy for me or other, the people that I love around me when, I, when I'm in that mindset where, you know, this is a good career move, so I should do it kind of mindset. And right now, I'm trying to – I did, and I'm trying to even more change my life so that I don't need to make – I don't need to say yes to things yeah. because I, because I feel obligated to, and I'm trying to focus more on my music. Um, you know, while I still can, while I'm still not so old that I can make music and, uh, uh-huh. you can still walk now. So <laughs> yeah, barely, I, but I, so how, how'd you like the past couple of years watching the Super Bowl like at six instead of three? Was it the best thing ever? Yeah. You- um, Part, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm sports fan. All right, I'm, I'm, uh, one last question, yes. and I'm going to go Joey here. But I do, if it if it's easy, if it's not, don't answer. But mm-hmm. do you have a favorite record you ever worked on? Like just a, <sighs> like it, it's just the one, and nobody will be offended because everybody has to have some favorite. So whatever band you work with, but I mean, like, I know you you take in the people and all that stuff. But what about just music record that like it just you're like, man, okay, I'm really glad I, I got I'll to work say, on that. Besides the question, right. um, I, I generally don't like to pick favorite things, even though one of my favorite things to do is say that this is the best thing or my favorite thing, but right. I don't really mean that. <laughs> um, uh, I would say that the record that when I listen to it, I can, I can actually listen to it in a fan way, Yeah, and I kind of can't believe that I worked on it is Jones Edda Cruel to Be Young, which is a record yeah. that yeah. not very many people even know. But yeah, I um love that it is so good. And and I and it was such a magical moment. Um yeah. and then a couple other ones would be Acceptance Phantoms is still yeah. one that I just I just think that record is so special and I feel so privileged to have been a part of and has really touched a lot of people. Um yeah. And then for real, the question is really one of them. And I'm not just saying that. Like, there are moments in that record where I'm like, that was sick. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Really? Like, did we did that? <laughs> like, yeah. In the scope of how all that turned out and, and where that was in our career and all the other bands you've worked with, what did, you, what did looking back on it, that was, we were young and inexperienced at that time. Mm-hmm. How did you find Toby Knight working with and you know compared to well, these other bands? Well, I really see. About? I really am an honest to goodness fan of what you guys do, other than the screaming. But that's just because I don't like screaming. But right. I think you do good <laughs> screaming. But yeah. um, 
<laughs> I really do. The kind of screaming you guys do is my favorite kind. But um, I love the musicality, the way the songs are written, the way they're put together. They have, they're very mature and almost um, orchestral at times. And I think that the freedom that you guys gave me to have fun and be creative in a genuine way, like I felt like I was making that's cool art music like that I like. I was that's what um, I was wondering. Did you feel like we were too firm with what we wanted to do and stuff like that? Did no, in we, fact, I was okay. surprised at the level of freedom that I was given because um, I assumed that it, incorrectly that you you know would be coming in and be like, we don't want you to screw up your our music with your pansy blah 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 whatever <laughs> you know and um but what we what we made was something i think totally unique and that had never been heard before from my perspective and uh there's just this cool like coming together of all these different elements in that record and um i know that it's it is honestly one of the records that when I when people are like you know what records have you produced if they've heard if they're a fan of that record they're always like whoa and um, also when they don't know that I've done it it means that they downloaded it illegally probably yeah but um, <laughs> busted but, yeah. we like but, all um, your pansy stuff the pansy stuff is what makes us you know us is having the the balance between that and the other and going back and forth kind of well thing. yeah like, and that's why Demon Hunter works with me is for that not I'm not yeah. a metal guy I don't right. need they don't need me to make a metal record you yeah. know what I mean like, when we did In Shallow Seas and you sang on it if people don't know at the end of In Shallow Seas we say all that song um, Sprinkle sings one of the part along with Devin and Toby and so it's like the really, it's like the prettiest part of the album. One of the like sweepy, pansiest. It's not pansy really, but it's one of the lightest, like beautiful parts in any of our songs, in my opinion. And we went to do that, and we had this part laid out for Sprinkle, and we talked about it, and then we all went to eat lunch, and he sat there and tracked the vocals while we were gone, sitting down in the control room, and then we got back from lunch. Sprinkle says, "I finished it." He goes, "That was the heaviest thing I've ever sang." <laughs> the hardest I've ever said. Yeah. It's true. It is so true. All right, man. We'll let you get off of here. We know you got to go pick up your kid from school. Well, so thank fun. you so much for joining yeah, us, man. That was uh, so fun and so much uh, easier since it was you guys. Uh, Aaron, you made a promise to me at Matt's wedding, man. I'm going to hold you to it, even though you. Oh, I don't remember. So, I know you did, but so, I, so I no. never. I've never heard the EP that came after Ethamir. Oh yeah, I don't actually have it, but um, it's on YouTube. Promise broken. Oh hell yeah! Promise fulfilled. YouTube? Yeah, yeah it's on. on Bam! It's, it's this website called YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> it's really a new thing. This it's kind of catching on. How do you get there? It's dot con dot com. C It's E W E tube. All right, cool. Thank you so much. App or something, but um, yeah, thank you guys. It was awesome. All right, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Bye. All right, amazing. Aaron Sprinkle. That was wonderful. Tremendous. Love him. Yes. yes. It's fun to talk about music. I know we do a bunch of stuff on here, but talking about music is actually maybe an easier thing to do because people get less angry when you talk about music than when you talk about you know Christian culture and stuff like that. So speaking of music, uh, the thing we're doing musically right now that's a big deal to us is the Pacific Gold uh, pre-order and stuff. So I, we had Dan here a couple of weeks ago 
on the show, and he was talking about his album, but we kind of got into talking about the theology and the Christian stuff, and we forgot to talk too much about his music. So yeah, so Dan made this spot, so we can play that, and maybe you can get a little more, we can hear a little more about their, their actual band. Yep. Hey guys, this is Dan Koch, singer and guitar player for the BC music band Pacific Gold, and I want to let you know that our pre-order is up for our new album, Sing My Welcome Home. It's an album of 11 tracks of rewritten hymns. We take lyrics from old hymns and write all new melodies and music and everything. But rather than spending a bunch of time talking about it, let's just play some clips from the album. To pre-order the album, go to pacific-gold.com. All right. Thank you, Dan. So, yeah, that record is awesome. I've been listening to it all the way through. I think what's neat about it to me is that it does not sound like anything. It doesn't even sound like repurposed hymns for church. It just sounds like the Beach Boys doing hymns or something. Yeah. Yeah, Good stuff. All right. What else y'all got going on? What else is in our world? All right. Here's something I saw this week in person, and it really did make me think, damn it, I'm old. So I... uh. I went, uh, we were going to our beer and theology event, and I was stopped at a, a convenience mart to get some beer, right? And so in front of me, I'm like, this this kid has so much stuff, uh, he's just take, taking so long. I was, I was just kept thinking, kid, and I literally was thinking maybe 14, 15. I look up on the counter, and he has like, I, I'm not kidding, his eight uh, what are those, uh, Matt, what is that like mixed, uh, mixed beer and like liquor drinks that everybody drinks? You know, they're, they're like tall boys. Do you know what I'm talking about? Four loco kind of thing. Yeah. There's like, the- yeah, like eight, four locos and then <laughs> energy uh, drink and four, malt liquor. Yeah. yeah and, th- and then four forties of, uh, Miller high life. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and and, I, and th- so then, then I just, I'm paused. I'm like, what in the world is happening? And then I was like, oh my gosh. Because this is like a kind of, it's not shady, but it's a little bit of a shady mark. You know, it's just it's no gas station or anything. And they mostly just sell, you know, they have unbelievable amounts of beer, uh, really cheap beer and alcohol. Uh-huh. You know, they got the Mad Dog 2020, all that kind of stuff. And then they also are really, they have, like, I know this sounds hilarious. They have a lot of like pipes and then papers for rolling <laughs> yeah, yeah. cigarettes, whatever kind you want. And they even had scales that they sell. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean seriously. So so it's like a little bit shady. But anyway, I realized this kid probably has a fake ID and this is the place you go in town to get mm-hmm. your booze cuz I promise you, I mean uh, it, I, I might be totally wrong. There's no chance that guy was 21. And then I promise you, here's how I know the most. He got it. 
he, he put it in a bag and he was like really nervous. You know, the, the guy said, Hey man, I'm gonna put this in a bag. He said, what, what? Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and he was just like super nervous. And then when he, as soon as he walked out the door, the biggest smile as he turned, I saw the biggest smile. Like he had just gotten away with something. <laughs> How old do you so, think he was? I, mean. I think he, I believe I would have guessed, I, I, I seriously thought like 15 or 16, maybe he's 17, 18. He drove away in a car. So he has to be at least 17 or 18. Yeah. Unless he's, unless he has a fake driver's license. Oh, he license has to. Him. He would never drive illegally. <laughs> Fake driver's license. He was 10. Yeah. I guess you're right. But anyway, the thing was, I didn't care at all about the crime. I just thought, damn it, I'm old. I remember when I used to try to sneak and get beer, and we would, you know, there would always be like, we'd go to a gas station or something. I don't know, Joe, you didn't really drink, I guess, but Matt, I don't know if you ever did this or not, but I would, we would go, you know, it'd be, it'd be like a Friday or Saturday night, and we would, an older person would be coming out and you'd wait for the right person. Like maybe they're a college oh, the age looking or, or, or really or like homeless raggedy looking person. Will do <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. 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 You know, like they, they, they got the cheapest beer and we'd say, Hey, will you go please buy some beer and then we'll, you know, whatever changes left over, you can have it. Uh, yeah. You know, cause we didn't have that much money. And I, you know, part of that was kind of fun, honestly, like <laughs> no, the idea of fun. doing so something exciting. bad. And you know, what's really hilarious is, I mean, I hated beer. Like I didn't even like, it. I would drink one, at most, you know, I'd, I'd kind of pour some of it out a little bit to make people think, you know, so it wasn't even like I was really getting wasted or anything, but it was just like doing something kind of bad and, you know, all that. And I just realized I don't get that anymore. Like what I can't, I can't go in there and the guy questioned me about buying alcohol. You know what I mean? Like what is like the, the, the almost an innocent bad crime you can do these days? Speeding? That's not as fun. So yeah. I'm, I've, I've lost a bit of my childhood now, and I'm just well. We'll, we'll, we'll keep working on it. Everybody, think about it. What are some crimes that that Toby can commit that that'll be yeah. bad enough to be exciting? You know, but not too. Yeah, bad. yeah. I just so, want yeah. a little excitement, but yeah, but not. I don't want to go to jail. Well, I guess you would go to jail for those, but you know, a little, just a little something. You know, I guess. I mean, people would say, you know, back in the day, people smash. Uh, mailboxes and yeah, I, golf balling yeah. you go steal a bunch of golf balls from the driving range and throw them at signs which was fun i heard <laughs> I, I think what you said as far as his actions probably does give away his age but i'm telling you man like you you are old enough to see someone that's like 22 or 23 and they look like they're 16 or that's 17 true. years old it I could mean, just be the so older old we get the younger those people get i mean it's just crazy like, yeah i mean i could have yeah. had a kid easily when i was 18 and i'm 38 now so that means i could have a 20 year old that's yeah. that that makes me feel old too when i see look on facebook and all my friends not all but several of my friends have kids who are graduating high school or go or in college yeah and i'm like oh yeah i have a five-year-old yeah <laughs> <laughs> joey when we were doing the first matt and toby living room tour we'd go to uh famous dave's every day for happy hour and probably i would say Eight out of 12 times that we went to Famous Dave's Happy Hour, just be Toby and I sitting there, and we'd both order a 22-ounce Bud Light, and the, the person would look, would look at me and say, can I, have your, can I see your ID, please? And I would show him my ID, and he would look at it up and down, and he'd say, all right, thank you very much, and then leave the table. And totally never, and none of the times checked Toby's ID. <laughs> <laughs> I was so flattered. And I don't even have mine out, and you got that out of here. Get that out of here. Yeah, probably literally you, like eight out of 12 times. I, I, I mean, this is in different cities every night, not the same one or anything. It just happens over and over. If me and him both go in, I get ID'd, he doesn't. <laughs> hey, so did are there any high schoolers that really do acquire a taste for beer? Because I don't think there's any high schooler. Oh, this sure. is great, but yeah, when they get in the party scene at some point in high school, are they like, man, this tastes? Because all of us, I mean, there are times when it's just like we crack over to beer and it's like, 
candy. I mean, it's just the most refreshing thing. Yeah. I can't see a high schooler. Yeah, I mean, this I, is great. I, I, I didn't like it at all. It, it took a quite a while for me to go. If, if for beer, it literally, I was like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll just have one. Everybody's having one, and it's usually like oh, the reform podcast guys it, for it, sure. It's they, usually like a a. There's one beer where you're like, ah, oh, that's not so bad, and then that kind of gets you into the other ones, and then you realize it's it's almost like coffee. Like you don't know, you you can't understand it. You know what I mean? You can't understand it, and then you're like, one day you're like, oh, okay. And also, honestly, with beer, you're like, after three or yeah. four, you know, especially, I mean, after one, when I was in high school, literally, I'd be like, oh, oh, and and you know, honestly, the more you drank, the drunker you got, so it, they tasted better. Yeah. Um, I'm really sad about my age, so can I? I just want to do something. I need some truth. I need something to really something pump me up and get me happy. excited. I'm, yeah, Matt, can you help me out? Yes, I can. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Shut up, Joey. <laughs> my depression just took a turn. In a world where Joey tells a story. <laughs> <laughs> the most recent story has been 12 years ago. <laughs> my name is Toby Morell, and this is The Damn News. All right, I got some good stuff today. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. The stuff that... If you have to say it's good stuff, it's probably not good stuff. That's yeah. the rule of thumb. Thanks for that rule of thumb, Joey. <laughs> All right. Cool, man. Good I, to jump. I love how you're just jumping right Well, this, this is a... It, my first topic is kind of interesting. I'm wondering what you guys are going to think about it, too. Italian gay man wants sex change and then wants to become a nun. This comes out of Rome. A 45-year-old, and this is RIA Novasta, Novasta News Agency, I guess, the ANSA News Agency. A 45-year-old Italian gay man is planning to undergo a sex change operation and become a nun, although so far the church has failed to back his plan, the ANSA News Agency said on Wednesday. The man whose name has not been revealed lives in a small town near, near Rome but intends to leave his job in May and travel to a country in northern Europe then to undergo the operation. I talked about my wish with a priest, but I was misunderstood. A conversation with a bishop was even worse. Meanwhile, a spokesman for the Casa Pound, a social organization in Ma- Ma- Massimo Carletta, said all men and women should be equal to have equal opportunities. Very interesting. He uh, and so yeah. Well, I tell you what, I think is just the the best news to me about the gender uh, revolution. I don't know if that's what it's called or not, but the gender stuff coming out and people reassigning and making that more mainstream. The best part about that to me is uh, we can do what I've been saying for way before this, which is get rid of male and female bathrooms. So now there's all the stuff that goes around where people say, oh, is this bathroom or that bathroom? But I'm thrilled to go to just where we all just have one because it doesn't make any sense to have two separate ones. It never did to me in the first place. So I'm, I'm thinking pretty soon it'll just be go back to what we have a bathroom. So that's Are what you I like. Serious? About yeah, absolutely. Gosh, why not? Are you okay with What's that? What's the problem? My next, my next article is actually about that. So that's, that's, really? that's interesting. We'll interesting go ahead and that read you, that, yeah, and then it. we'll then we'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Joey, get your thoughts together about what you think about men and women going to the bathroom together. Because I know you don't even let Priscilla hear you fart. This comes from Charlotte and our good friend Dumpy. A.K.A. Scott, Scott, Scott Sinclair. Scott Sinclair sent me this. A transgender woman booted from city restroom. 
uh, it says she's a Democratic Party activist. I don't know why. But Janice Covington Allison says she was at first confused when a police officer approached her Monday night in a restroom at, at the Charlotte Mecklenburg Government Center and told her she couldn't be there. I was looking in the mirror, primping my hair because I had just crossed the street in the wind. And a policewoman said, I have had complaints. You have to leave, said Allison. She was in shock. Uh, they walked her out the door and there was like 20 people around just staring at her and one person even called her a pervert so what happened was 67 year old allison is a transgender woman who had been using women's restrooms for quite a while didn't realize didn't think anything about it but somebody realized that she was a he Mm -hmm. and they kicked kicked her out and so now there's a there's a controversial non-discrimination ordinance that's going about because in Charlotte you are not allowed if you're opposite sex to go into a bathroom. So yeah. Joey, Wait, what do you that, think? Say that last statement again. If what? There's there's a You can't go in the opposite sex bathroom in North Carolina. Right. Okay. If if, if yeah. you're if you're a man, you can't go in a woman's bathroom. If you're a woman, you can't go into a man's bathroom. Yeah. Or else you could potentially get in trouble. She did happen to say though that the, the, the officers were super nice to her and that they tried to make it as, as comfortable as as possible, but at the same time, you know, people were mad and calling her a pervert and all this stuff because she was just trying to go to the restroom. Yeah. So, uh, I have a, my, my first thought I would like to say that is though, um, Matt, I think I kind of disagree with you because I don't know, like here's, here's one thing and I, and we need, I always want to be sensitive, but does, if they change the law and, you know, if you're a transgender person, if you're a male that dresses as a female, even if you claim to be a, a female or whatever, um, that means you can go into opposite sex bathrooms. Does that mean that anybody could wear clothing from the opposite sex and go into any bathroom they wanted for some type of pleasure? I mean, no, no, you know, no. You know, Check you know it out. I mean? This is all I'm saying. You didn't, I mean, I didn't get to say why. First of all, I'm saying I've wanted this for way before I even thought of the transgender issue. I just want one bathroom. You love going into for, women's restrooms. We get yeah. it. Yeah. Because they're nicer. They're better. So for us, it's a win, you see. That's why I am advocating for just one bathroom, because we, the men, get the upgrade. But really, I mean, seriously, it, it's no different than co-ed dorms. That sounds crazy, right? You can't have men and women together in the dorms. Of course you can. People know how to behave themselves. Of course there's perverts. Of course there's creeps. But they're everywhere. They do They do that anyway. It's, it's, I can be in a toilet, and the guy beside me could be uh, attracted to men. Sure, he could be attracted to me, and I'd pee right beside him, and he could look right over the stall if he wanted to. That's fine if he's not a pervert, and if he is a pervert, there's not much you can do about that anyway. And it happens all the time, every day. Same for women. People are attracted to different people, and it's not the people who are transgendered that are the ones that are trying to, to go in other bathrooms to creep on people. That's not the point. That's not why they do it. They're perverts of all all kinds of every way in, in every situation. So it's not like separating me- Male and female bathrooms gets rid of perverts, or you know, just keeps them separate. That just doesn't. That's not really what's going on. If you integrated all the bathrooms, you wouldn't have a big rise in rapes. The reason why I love it is There's because no here, here's the number one reason why. Have you ever been to a football game and there was a line unreal around the corner <laughs> and everything by the women's, yeah, and, I, and you walk right into the men? Did not. Think I, I'm about not going to wait in a line so so Sheila can be blowing it up in there <laughs> and taking two years. I don't know what it is about women and going to the bathroom, but it takes forever. And what I I I don't. But I do think there could be some people that manipulate that, and I don't really care. I don't Who need cares? to be. I, mean, so I, I don't care about the person beside me, honestly. But at the same time, it would just be they would all be, turn into toilets. They're, you would get you would 
virtually end urinals, and that'd be a nightmare for me. No, you wouldn't necessarily end urinals. Why no, we could they? still have I mean, urinals, and that'd be a good crossover. Just no. like they would have, they would have disposals for feminine products. Still, I mean, they wouldn't do away with that. So you would, just, you'd be totally fine with women walking in, and you're just standing at a regular old urinal. Pee. No, hundred percent. I'm saying, hundred percent fine. So with if it. you may, if you, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying if you if you combine all bathrooms, there's no need for a urinal. Women can't use it. It'd be stupid to have it. Yeah, but it's just yeah, con- but you know, it would help the lines at least. Anyway, to the pervert thing, the guy beside me right now in a urinal could outweigh me by a hundred pounds. He could physically do whatever he wanted with me. He could b- blast in my stall like sea bass on Dumb and Dumber and do whatever he wanted. But it doesn't happen. It's not a problem. But you're super unattractive. Well, yeah, that could be that could be a factor, but I'm saying safety is not the issue. So then, the only thing you're really talking about is just personal comfort, your personal comfort, yeah, this I, and that, farting, uncomfortableness, you know, stuff like that. And if that's the case, it's not worth it for what it does to these people, like the lady in the story, the transgender people, or the people that fit in between. It's really harmful for them for your discomfort, and it costs businesses tons of money to have to put in separate bathrooms and plumbing and and all all that kind of stuff. Joey, what do you think? Well, I do think you're opening up. I do think you're opening the door for more. More danger, and you're saying that that doesn't ha- that could happen in a guy's what danger. The facts are the facts are that the vast majority of people are heterosexuals. The danger is that all of a sudden a guy walks into a female restroom unquestioned. He can stay in there as long as he wants to, sit on the toilet, and then a girl comes in there and he can assault her, rape her. I mean, at a at a rest area. I mean, Look, if no one's batting an eye at now, all, anyway. of, hold on, hold on. If if if. Yeah, of course, but now no one's even going to question it. So you can just walk in and uh, while there's people in the restaurant, no one's going to ask you. Is that why he's just going into the restaurant? And you're in a way more vulnerable position. No but I, I totally disagree. Up but and you're taking a dump. Well, but I, I mean, don't think it's going to happen. That's really a stretch, Joe. You're saying the problem is going to be people are going to go rape people because they can. They now they can get into the bathroom at Longhorn Steakhouse unnoticed, and then that's where they're going to commit a rape just because a woman comes in into the the stall. There. I, no, I, I don't think raping raping is the big issue here. The big issue would be just some uh, creepy guys that take advantage of it. Obviously, this this lady was not. A creepy person. She was just trying to do that, and she got embarrassed. But the people that all I'm saying is the people that would take advantage of it, or just even mess around, or just I mean, how about this? You, a, a female just goes into the bathroom, and then a couple guys get to go in there, and they just heckle her while she's taking a dump. Right. I mean, that, that's shitty. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I think overall, um, it's not going to immediately turn to rape or assault. But I do think it'll just be. I mean, guys and girls are different, and that's a, a moment of just uh, just keep them apart. Yeah. Now, that's Matt, okay. are are you okay with this because of stalls and privacy and all that stuff? Because if that if that's not why, then let's just take this further. And locker rooms, community showers, anyone can just go into a shower naked, and guys and girls. I mean. Well, so what know, is it about? I guess think about it this way. This is where we're at now. This is going to change. This is probably going to change and happen, just like other things. It's not threatening. It's not immoral. It's just something practical about our society that probably is going to change. Oh come on! I mean, you just it'll be that way in the future. Like you'll look back, and I I think you'll just look back eventually and it'll be like, oh yeah, we used to have two bathrooms. That was crazy. You know. Now it, now, it, now what I could see is I could see an additional locker room for people that don't care. But at least in the South, man. We're, we're talking. It's going to be a long time till that changes because, first of all, if you were, yeah, no, try- I totally agree. It will. It won't be anytime soon. Like it'll I, take a long time. I, I guess I disagree. I don't think out. that you're ever going to have a majority of females or males that say, you know what, I I'm going to forfeit the right to go into a restroom or a locker room or a shower with 
the same gender. Yeah, no, I mean, I see what you're saying, but your point a second ago to go to three makes sense. Well, that's even worse, obviously, and then then you might need four, and then some other preferences and other people are uncomfortable as we have more people and personalities and uh, sexualities that become normalized. Every, everybody knows in the happen. future you won't have to go to the bathroom, so that's oh, settled. Yeah, sure. that's all. all right, moving on. Heated topic today in the damn news. Wow. All right, this is kind of interesting. We're in the music business and maybe even the Christian music business as well. So Christian musician song used in 50 Shades of Grey. Oh my gosh. And he said he thought it was a rom-com and this comes from ChristianHeadlines.com. He thought it was a rom Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what it was. Yeah. That's, that's not uh, true. Christian singer Paul J- Janeway says he gave the makers of Fifty Shades of Grey permission to use his song Call Me because he thought it was a romantic comedy movie. Janeway, who is the lead singer of the soul band St. Paul and the Broken Bones, said he, he all said all he knew about Fifty Shades was that it was based off a popular book. When they presented him the licensing opportunity, um, he, sa- he said they presented it as it's going to be a huge movie. They want to put a decent amount of the song in the movie in a non-sexual scene. He said, I knew it was a book, but I had no idea what it was. So I was like, sure, big movie, good exposure. I'll be in a romantic comedy. Not a big deal. It... <laughs> Which is what I thought it was, a romantic comedy. It's a good way to make money in the music business, you know. Then I saw the preview for it, and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> but he says, filmmakers did fulfill their promise, and Call Me was not featured in a sexual scene of the movie, meaning that they played .3 seconds of his song. <laughs> it, no, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> There's only .3 seconds that aren't sexual. Now, if y'all are in issues with an Emory song, I don't give a crap what it's used and what what part of the movie either. No way. No, of course. I mean, not. they they could be doing one of the most graphic. That, that's what I don't understand. Why would Christians even be upset about that? Because everywhere else they go, well, you got to be a light to the world. Even right. in the worst place, be a light to the right. world. And at the very so least, people don't care. This dude's song is on a soundtrack where a lot of people that buy the soundtrack of Shades Grey, they're going to hear a Christian song and maybe check out the whole album, be yeah. give their hearts to Christ. I'm going to go ahead and, and claim it right here. Most people from hearing that song are going to be saved while they watching. Yeah. Unbelievable BDSM. <laughs> I think this this is one of those ones for me for me that doesn't really add up. I don't think it makes sense. I'm not totally. I'm definitely not buying this guy's story because yeah, you don't believe a, him. Th- no, I don't believe him. They didn't know because he said in there that they negotiated that it would be in this part and wouldn't be in this part. And then he says so he didn't know really what it was about. But that book has been huge for a really really long time. So there's no way yeah. anybody that's doing licensing and sync music in the music industry with managers and lawyers and him could ever none of the people involved in his camp understand what that movie was there's no chance yeah. no chance they would not have known that so then when he came back afterwards he made he said you know why or whatever but clearly he knew what it was and just that's fine which i would have said is fine anyway but i think his story's more of a, Toby, a cover-up apology yeah i agree I, I think this has been my favorite of the damn news i'm, I'm really i'm damn what'd you like about it damn wow. news today well, I thought it was, it presented, um, I don't think this was done uh, intentionally, but it definitely presented a topic <laughs> going in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely presented a topic going into it. You could just anticipate at least Matt and Joey going opposite directions, which sparked great conversation. I think a lot of times the news stories are just shock value, and it's like, oh, haha, that's funny. But then there's not necessarily a lot of disagreement. I enjoy news stories where we're probably going to land uh, differently. Are you tracking with me? Am I unpacking this well enough for you to understand? I'm not dissing you. In fact, I want to make a, an apology. I am sorry for being such a thorn in your side with <laughs> with your news. It's just that I... I... Are you okay, man? 
right, Joey? I wanted my news segment. I wanted a news you wanted segment. A, you didn't want the news. I did. I did. And you, you guys never even asked me. And I just thought maybe we could at least alternate. You mean this whole time <laughs> you've been knocking the news is because you were jealous and you wanted to have the news? I didn't know that. I'll tell you what. Next time I'm going <laughs> to give you a news story, Joey. I'm going to give you one news story. You've done that before. I know. It was the worst mistake I ever made. But I, was, <laughs> I was trying to be nice. <laughs>